are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point Number Nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am your host, David EJ Berger. You can follow our show handle at MP9 Tennis. And if this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Hello, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, which there are more of you growing every day, you're 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 part of a a tribe at this point. I would say the downloads are up. So thank you for following. Please subscribe. With me as always is uh, my number one talking tennis bro. His name is Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Wins and Salem's going on, and that tournament's no fun. So we're getting redeemed with the U.S. Open. So let's talk about it. Yes, yes, yes. And this is very exciting. Uh, joining us uh, on a more permanent basis is Mr. Jonathan Reed. John, you can find him at JR Tweets Tennis. Uh, he's a betting content producer, extraordinaire writer. Follow him at Timbits Tennis. Action Network at Betting Expert. Uh, if you bet on tennis, you know this guy. He's on the timeline. John, thank you for being on today and, and moving forward, being a more permanent fixture here at MP9. Looking forward to it. Is this a big tournament, this one? U.S. Open or Open of New York or whatever it's called? It's, it's so, I so. Guess a little. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is a, a grand announcement to welcome you on ahead of this grand slam and yeah this is a big deal i mean if you've been watching the qualifying which you know us degenerates have been grinding it all week there's actually been a lot of crowd at the tournament already which is pretty cool to see ahead of even round one of action uh, people are showing up for you know to watch a bunch of uh italian clay players <laughs> on each other. Uh, a bunch of clay grinders just trying to do something on hard court uh, actually if you're italian you've done pretty well this week but uh all right. Well, normally we do some other stuff, look back at the headlines and review, if you will, what's been happening, but we're only looking forward here. This is a U.S. Open preview show. We're talking the 2022 ATP side, the men's side, the U.S. Open at the USTA Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, Flushing Meadows, Queens, New York. Let's MFing go. All right, guys, what I'd like to do here is uh, give a, a bit of the lay of the land, if you will. You know, if you're going to be making bets on tennis this week, you you need to know the conditions, the surface, things like that, the different courts. These things are going to matter in all of your bets. You know, this facility, there's 22 courts with four show courts, including Arthur Ashe Stadium, Louis Armstrong Stadium, the Grandstand, and Court 17. People might not know Court 17 is a show court. There are 13 field courts and uh, five practice courts, so if you're going out there, check out the practice courts because you get to see some of your faves battling it out. Okay, the main court is Arthur Ashe. 23,000 people can fit into this thing. It's the most of any tennis court in the world, so there's going to be a crowd. The, The players that feed off the energy of the crowd you might want to look to them in your bets here. I always think, you know, specific courts get lost in the mix during the slams. You know, a player might play on like court 14, like three times in a row, or a, a player's already played Ash twice. And then another player's coming on to Ash hasn't played it. So check the court history because these also play differently. You know, players say the outside courts play faster than the main show courts because they're used more. That seems to be, this is from Simon Chambers, another great tennis writer. Um, the first week of a slam, the speed on the hard court tends to be faster when it's played on more. Stands to reason the outside courts will be playing faster than the show courts simply because of all the action happening. And um, this is a quote from Garbinier Muguruza. She said last year in her experience, uh, court 17 always is faster than any court here. Arthur Ashe seems faster than Louis Armstrong too. So, you know, these... Courts are going to offer different speeds. John, uh, I know you pay attention to stuff like this. In your opinion, can you talk to us about the the speed and the different courts here? Well, it's also worth noting, too, the first couple of days really watch and look for those quotes because the U.S. Open has gone from a very fast court in, like, I'm talking over a kind of macro period here, um, 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago to they really slowed them down. They played medium slow for a few years. And then last year, I think the consensus was they had kind of sped them back up. That can be done with like, I think, different amounts of sand in the mixture that lays down the court too, right? So you can actually manipulate the court speeds. And the other courts, of course, adding to what Simon Cambers had said there, um, the sun as well, right? So when you play in a, uh, an Arthur Ashe and the sun starts setting or rising or wh- whatever time of day it is, and there's some shade and it's not beating down direct, the heat beating down directly on the court in direct sunlight also speeds those conditions up. Worth noting for um, court speeds on outer courts. But yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly something you should factor in because certain players like quicker conditions. You know, you used a quote from a, a female player. I think one of the starkest examples I can give is Shua Zhang of China, right? On slow hard courts, she is eminently beatable. On a quick hard court, she can legitimately beat anyone on a, any given day. We saw it in Cincinnati where she had Sabalenka on the ropes in both sets and couldn't really uh, finish her off. She made the quarters there. So, like, yeah, monitor where they're playing uh, because literally the court they're playing on could change the, the the probabilities of them winning the match, which, of course, is kind of you know what you're doing in sports betting is trying to evaluate the probabilities and find that value. Absolutely. Derek, you have any thoughts here? I'd probably pay particular attention if a player is playing on the same court for multiple matches in a row, especially on these uh, side courts. And they just might have an advantage just because they just have the experience on it just from playing from two days before, you know? Yeah. Transitioning over to more speed talk here. This was a graphic that I took a screenshot of from Tennis Channel last year. US Open actually comes in third in terms of speed, but you know they have the speed index at 37 for Wimbledon, 35.4 for the US Open. So not exactly a steep decline there in speed. Australian Open at 42. So just to kind of give you an idea of how they, they've rated this. Uh, Roland Garros, obviously, at 21, much slower on clay. And last year, if we wanted to speak to speed, this is a pretty good nugget. There were 43 tie breaks in round one of the men's side last year. 43 tie breaks. So stands the reason that the, the big servers on these quicker courts, the whole percentage was pretty high, leading to all those tie breaks. And I think that, uh, I know I'm looking as we get further down here, to our, our first round best bets i've leaned into that a little bit myself uh the weather this week the other thing to factor in is the weather today as we record this is friday the last day of qualifying it's been raining <laughs> um john give us a little uh rundown you did you did a pretty good breakdown of what's been happening today so especially if you're looking to bet live the rain could come into play here it's new york last year they literally flooded out this place you couldn't escape queens because <laughs> it rained so much but yeah talk to us about today what it's been like with the start stop at the USO qualies. Oh, it's been, a, it's been a fun one. I mean, some people got off court really quickly. Um, I think you UA was the first women th- woman through. She finished by losing one game in her, in the total match. Uh, but right behind her was Max Martyr. It was just a few minutes later, despite playing far more games in that match. They didn't have as many deuce games and they got off court, but there were some that took a long time because of that rain. And the rain is, you know, it came in lasted for a while. They got back on court and, you know, they played, a game or two in every match and then right back off they went rain started they sat down hoped it might be a quick shower because again it, it had stopped completely after a, a long downpour so you think you know maybe it's just going to sprinkle a bit then go away now they had to take them off court and now this is the third time the players have been taken off court i think there's some matches that have been on for all three uh rain delays if i'm not mistaken maybe just 
one started just after the first, but yeah, some of these players have been back and forth to the locker room quite a bit. They're getting their steps in, uh, not just on the court, but walking to and from the court today. Yeah. And the timing is like critical too at points of the match for when this rain happens, you know, Nuno Borges and Mastorelli, they're at tiebreaker right now in the second set. So not an ideal time, especially if you, you've got a little momentum going into that to to have the rain stop your match or bring it to a halt. To that end, all right, let's look at the weather forecast for the incoming week. Uh, we got the 10-dayer here. It's going to be mid to high 80s this first week uh, into next week. Looks like possible rain on Wednesday and Thursday and Monday and Tuesday of the next week. That's Labor Day and the day after, 5th and 6th. 60% plus humidity all week wins. 9 to 13 miles per hour. It's going to be physical for these players out there. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. And uh, you definitely want to lean to guys you know can stand up in those conditions and not, I don't want to say complete wusses, but uh, guys you know will melt uh, that can't hang. These are five sets. You know, it's it's five grueling sets. Matches can go over four hours here, maybe even dip into the five hour mark. Make sure your money is safe with someone, you know, has the durability. I remember being at the U.S. Open one time, just watching Nishikori play. Alex Demonor, and we're just, I was baking in the seats. And I was just looking at those guys, and I'm like, damn, those guys have to do a physical activity for professional reasons right now. I just felt horrible for them. Just thinking that it's going to be that plus 60% humidity, like that's just going to be a mess for these guys out there. So, yeah, just take a look at that. And if you know the guys that you think that get tired with humidity, I don't know. You might want to make a play on that. John, I feel like you're pretty dialed into like guys who are just not physically fit to hang in these conditions. Any guys that, uh, you know, off the top of your head come to mind? Yeah, I'm looking at Jack Sock against Diego Schwartzman. <laughs> and even if that's a night match, it could still be 80 degrees and humid. So, I, and I mean, it's not just, it's Jack Sock in general, but it's also against Schwartzman. It's like a double whammy. He's not the most fit for, you know, to begin with. And then he's playing a guy that's going to, that could make him play 12 or 15 balls a rally, which is just going to make him, you know, kind of lose, lose those energy reserves even quicker. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we might, um, duel on that one first round best bets. So let's, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for further down the line here, but I love that you're talking about that one already. All right, guys. Well, you know, let's look back at who's won this thing. All right. We, we got to talk about the champions. I would say of the four majors, uh, this one has allowed for the most surprises over the last decade or so. Uh, last year, Janil Medvedev took this thing home. Dominic Team took it home in 2020. Med did beat Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic probably wants that one back. He was very, I don't know, he had like a mental blockade, if you will, <laughs> in that final. I don't know what happened to him because he, you know, it seemed like he was going to pull off that calendar slam. But uh, we got a surprising victor in med. Then team, obviously, you know, he came back from two sets down to beat Zverev in that final. And that was the year that Djokovic nearly killed someone with a tennis ball. A lines <laughs> person. Just ke- just kidding. <laughs> when he DQ'd himself by being a psychopath, hitting a ball at uh, a person. <laughs> and Nadal won uh, this in 2019. He's actually won this four times since uh, 2010 and i think nadal gets you know knocked for not being a hardcore player but he has won the us open four times pretty good uh, a lot of sports teams would have liked to have won a championship four times over the last 12 years like i said surprise champions here 2009 juan del potro won 2014 marine chilich 2016 stan Wawrinka. i would say of the slams over the last 10 years this has been the more wide open one uh, especially when it comes to you know quarter finalists this field's pretty wide open medvedev looks like he has an easiest path but don't 
don't think he's looked especially great since he lost the Australian Open, to be honest. Uh, it's a, this is a whole year. I almost feel like this is a walkabout year for Med. I don't know what's going on with that guy. And then uh, Nadal was the best player on tour through the loss to Fritz in Wimbledon when he got hurt. Uh, what's his health like? Anyone interest you outright so far? I don't know if you guys have looked at any futures to, to take this down. I personally would not bet on Med, the favorite here. I got my eye on Cam Nori. I'm not thinking that he's going to win, but at 40 to one, I mean, like, I don't mean to sound like a DraftKings commercial, but you can put down five bucks and win $200 on Cam Nori. And that guy's seemingly in form right now. What he got to the final at Los Cabos, lost in the third round to Faye Leaks at Canadian Open, and then what, at, lost in the semis to Chorich at Cincinnati, who eventually won. So, I mean, it's not a crazy bet. And at 40 to one, I mean, if you put on like a pint size unit bet and you lose, you can't be too upset with yourself. I agree there. Noise been ripping. And he's in the bottom half too, which for me is because the first quarter is so damn loaded. It's it's not a, a terrible look to try and pick off some numbers in that bottom half of the draw. For me, I like the top, the, the one player in the top half I do like is Taylor Fritz. The problem is, you know, I always try and evaluate a 25 to one versus what am I going to get if I, if I roll over his money line seven times, right? Mm-hmm. He'd be a dog to Nadal most likely, even though he's beaten him in Indian Wells. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be a dog in the semifinal should Medvedev get there, which is the expectation. Or even if Kyrgios is there, I think the hype around Kyrgios right now and the way he's played would be a favorite. So I've got two underdog money lines alone there. And because he's playing a qualifier in the first round. So I don't know how much this would impact his outright price. But if we if we put, you know, Yibbing Wu in that spot, his money line is genuinely going to be affected by that versus like, let's put Chris Eubanks there. Okay, like no disrespect to Chris Eubanks, but like we know his money mean, line yeah. is is going to go from, you know, a dollar 10 to a dollar 30, which is I think minus a thousand to minus. I don't know what, I don't do the conversion on that high up, but you know, that means like I'm starting with a multiple of 1.3 going through seven times. So that kind of changes the whole outcome of my, like, or the evaluation of that outright. So I would say Taylor Fritz, but I want to see those qualifiers placed before I put that 25 to one. In. What What do you think about a, a center center? I think has a pretty good pathway here. He seemed to be making a leap forward in terms of his slam quality at Wimbledon, the quicker courts. I don't know. I mean, Wimbledon is a quicker surface, but he also was kind of on one that week, that week and a half. We haven't really seen a, a great USO swing for center so far, but still, I mean, I think the, the kids playing the game for the slams. That's for sure. And I think he has a relatively decent path to get to the, the semis. I mean, he might have to play Dimitrov in round three or Nakashima. He's going to play Hubie. I mean, I like Hubie, but I feel like he can beat Hubie. And then he's smacked up in the quarters where he's going to play. It's either Chilich, Chorich or Alcaraz most likely in the quarters. So I think center is is someone that uh, I, I would look for who is, I don't have his uh, odds right in front of me, but uh, that's that's someone who I think is a, a solid play. I God, he's my, but I have to say though, this kid is my lowest return of <laughs> return on investment player. I lose with this guy all the freaking time. And that's not always because I'm betting on him. That's because like, okay, and now I've been burned by Yannick a couple of times. I'm going to fade him. And <laughs> <laughs> and then he roasts my cash. That said, I do think that some of these guys are separating out to be the class of, of this tour. And I think him making the, the quarters, making the semis uh, would not surprise me at all at decent odds. I feel like you're always on opposite sides of the center table. Like each week. I'm all over the place, man. 
Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how many times you text me like, I love this kid. And then next week, <laughs> fuck this kid. <laughs> I hate, I hate this guy. Never again. But um, he is 16 to one. I still don't think that he's. That's not that great. I have to say. No, I don't. At six, I thought he'd be like twenty to one. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I think I thought he would be around there too. But at sixteen to one, I don't think that's really worth it. I just don't think he's there maturity wise. That said, I will. I mean, tennis isn't like golf where you're going to pull out an eighty to one winner to take down that week. I mean, you know the you know the (laughs) you could also you could honestly argue that there's value on the guys with you know, short ish odds, because that's probably who's going to be there at the end. Yeah. And you know, like the, the men especially are like that. The women, you can, I mean, last mm-hmm. year you had, I think 500 to one and 200 to one in the final, you know, I had a Krejcikova ticket the year she won the French. I had a Vondrasova 150 to one the year she went to the final and lost to Barty. You could do it with the women, right? If you, if you find the right draw, you get the right book, like certain books will hang triple digits for players who are legitimately top 30 in the world on the surface. They prefer like, they have a tough time with WTA pricing, but you're right. The, it's it's just so much tougher to justify long shots on the men's side, especially at the slam when, when they play three sets, right? Because or five sets, the women don't play that much or that extended format, right? So that extra set means the cream rises to the top, the quality shines through. Well, that again makes a difference, men versus women. Yeah, WTA is just so topsy turvy too. Like mm-hmm. I threw a little bit on um, Coco to win this. And I think it's just really up to her second serve if she can win. And if she can dial that in, which seemingly feels like it's impossible, but I was like, oh, screw it. I'll take a shot at this. What about, you know, quarterfinalists? I feel like uh, someone that probably has decent odds to make the semis who doesn't have like an outright terrible path is uh, Bodig VDZ. You know, if he gets by, if he wins his first couple matches, gets Fritz in the third, goes through there, he's probably going to, he's got to play rude or Tommy Paul or Corda. He could probably get through there. And then he's in the quarterfinals, has to play Mateo or, or Steph. He's someone that had a splash last year at this event. Um, and doesn't have the you know a gauntlet ahead of him per se. So there's a name for a quarterfinalist I throw out there. He, although he is still playing right now, which doesn't bode well for that. Doesn't bode it well. Doesn't Ooh. bode it well. All right, guys. Well, one trend I wanted to point out. Normally, I like to do two trends, which is the seated player losses and the qualifier wins. I've done that for the last couple slams on this podcast, but I only had time to do seated player losses. But it is interesting here. All right. Seated player losses over the last six years. Uh, last year was kind of an outlier. 11 seeds lost in 2021, but in 2020, only five. 2019, only nine, 2018, only seven, 2017, only eight, 2016, only five. This is in the first round, by the way. So the seeds actually hang tough here at the U.S. Open, relatively speaking. You know, on previous slams, uh, especially the French Open, uh, there was a the seeds go down pretty hard in, in that one. Yeah, I mean, look at this year. You'd be hard to get back to 11. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to find 11 that are going to lose. I'm looking at it now. Like, Basilashvili, okay. Like, that's one you can... Not guaranteed because he's playing a qualifier. It could be like, again, a, a not a scrub, but like if a clay court guy gets through there, he could still win. But I mean, is Kyrgios going to lose to Kokonakis? Not likely. Medvedev? Not likely. Bautista, Gukur, and Yubusta. Just go down the list. They all have very, very winnable ma- winnable matches. So I'm sure they'll all be stunned by two or three, and then you might get like a Basilashvili out or, you know, or like Dimit- Dimitrov if he's hurt. So I think you're going to be closer to the five back in, was that 2016, than the 11. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 11, clearly, like you said, is just an outlier. I mean, if you just take an average of all those, you got to think it's going to go back to the median, right? Yeah, I think the seeds are going to hang tough this year, especially, you know, 
looking at last year with the whole percentage, um, a lot of these guys are at the top because their serve is pretty good. So there is going to be some upsets. So, uh, you know, keep your eye out for those. There's going to be a handful, but I wouldn't like, you know, blind bet the dogs. Real sidebar real quick, actually. I mean, if you had bet underdogs from the quarterfinal on this entire USO hardcourt run in North America, you would be sitting pretty right now with units. (laughs) I mean, it has been an insane run for the dogs in, in these tournaments. Even this week, I mean, Jera, Husler yeah. <laughs> playing each other. Something to keep in mind. You Pred- didn't predict that? I didn't predict that. <laughs> Something to keep in mind for next year. Just blind bet dogs in the quarterfinals on on this hard court circuit in North America. Anyway. All right, guys. Well, let, let's pivot into the first round best bets here. We've set the table a little bit. And now let's dig into these matches. I have some bets I'll walk through and I'll get your thoughts on. And then we can go across the board here. My first best bet, and this is actually, I think, my best bet that I, I see on the board. That's Alex Molchan, minus three and Moneyline, minus 157 over Diego Montero. I mean, last year, Molchan made a splash here at the OSO, beating Brandon Nakashima. He's a player on the rise. I think he's only improved since that match and Montero was sitting at a, a cool one in six all time at the USO that's including qualies. I think this is just a, a class difference right here. <laughs> I was telling Derek, this is like one of our first pods back this year. I was like, Montero was posted a hype video on Instagram. <laughs> this was like, he's really training the off season. And then he went out and lost to Benoit pair at the Australian open. So <laughs> um, not the most intimidating matchup and a really soft price here. For Malchan, uh, John, I know you're a big Malchan, and I'm sure you probably have already bet this. Oh, I love this bet. I love it. Uh, look, Montero is a clay court guy. And, you know, that said, he's not as reliant on the clay as some other guys that are, you know, grinders because he's got a big serve forehand combo. So he does have, like, the tools to hold serve more often than your average, like, Renzo Olivo clay court grinder, right? But... His return game is just not strong at all. And when you come up against Molchan, who's improved his aggression aggression and improved his serve, and, you know, now is going to be able to hold a little bit easier. He's got a a lefty game to be able to make sure, you know, he counteracts that lefty forehand with his own forehand cross court. And he's just the infinitely better returner in this matchup. I just, it it feels like all the pressure, the majority of service games that come under pressure are going to be Montero's, right? And if you're only going to be late three games and I get three sets to cover that, so if, my player loses the first. This isn't best of three. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not down five games with two sets to make it up. I have three full sets to make up that two games and still cover. I I, I love that. I think this should be around four and a half, five games. Absolutely. The only concern is Malchian is a UE guy. You know, he loves to give free points away at times. And then Montero is a clay grinder, so he will allow you to do that. But yeah, I just think this is an insane price. And uh, yeah, that that's why I made it my first bet here. My next one. I'm going to go Emilio Rusevori at Moneyline plus 113 over Jack Draper. I've been chasing Draper all summer. This guy has not, you know, I mentioned Sinner was a bad ROI player for me. This guy has not been a great ROI player for me either. Rusu doesn't have uh, an illustrious record this summer either, but I, I would say his 2022 is a year of improvement by far. I think it's a great value as a dog here. Uh, you know, these guys have nearly identical elos on hard. And I just think Rusu is more of a battler than Draper. You know, Draper, he's more of a lead dog. You know, if he gets broke early or has to come back, I, I just don't see it happening. And uh, I question the fitness as well for Draper. John and I have gone back and forth about uh, Draper's legendary court <laughs> qualifying loss in Atlanta to a doubles player in Ramathana who Bruno 
just dusted in the first round in, in straight sets. Draper lost to that guy. So Okay, so Jack Draper. I still think that he's just a grass guy. And then you got Rusevori. I mean, Jack Draper did play all right against team, even though team didn't play well at all. But he still showed that he could just hit the ball around and stuff. What? Uh, Rusevori rips, though. Uh, you can probably win this little dog bet. It's not much of a dog bet. I mean, it's plus 113, but still, it's a good price. I'm not going to – I have such a hard time betting his matches because it's like I can't stand watching him one day. He's just putting every every single shot into the net, and the next day he's just hammering forehands like he's got Thor's hammer in his damn right hand, and they just can't miss. And it's just incredible to watch how inconsistent he is. Now, Draper, for me, has the better the better game. Like he's just insanely athletic, massive lefty serve, huge forehand, decent backhand, like rally tolerance wise. It's not really a weapon to attack with, but he just melts in heat and humidity. And not only is it going to be hot here and humid here, but he's going to win three sets to get through the match. And I remember watching Emil Rusevori. Who was it against? I bet against him. I think it was like Schwartzman in Miami or something. And these guys were playing and like he can play until he's like dripping sweat. It's like he's melted on the court and he's still running around like making every ball and it happened again this summer. And I can't remember exactly who it was against, but he's going to be much more equipped to deal with the conditions. We talked about that, you know, in the kind of prelude to kind of intro the show, right? The conditions matter when you get 60% humidity, 80 degrees, and you're playing best of five, you better be ready for, for that physically. And I don't know Draper's improved since last year. If you mm. thought it was bad, you know, in Atlanta, which it was like last year was a lot worse. You're like, if this guy doesn't get it done in straight sets, my bet is gone. Like in every match he played, you're like, you may as well just bet him two nothing because if it's, he's not doing it in two, he can't, he can't get there. So he's improved, but yeah, I still think the physical issue is big there. He, he should be a favorite in a neutral setting, but with these conditions factored in this has, I can't, I can't get past this being a pick at, at best. So if you're going to get Bruce Vori at plus 115 instead of minus 110. I don't hate that bet. All right, guys. Uh, my next uh, two here uh, are leaning into that 43 tie breaks in round one last year. And there are a couple of first set overs in the uh, Hubie Hercash Oscar Atta over nine and a half at minus 145. If you could find that, you know, over 10 plus 110. And my other one I'm about to mention, which is Quentin Halise versus Arthur Rindernich. That's over 10 at plus 110. I mean, this is simply a, a matchup. Well, first off, Hubie plays like 90% of his matches to first set tiebreak. All right. And especially if these courts are tiebreak prone, you might as well just uh, lean into that. Uh, and Atta has a good uh, serve as well. Hollies versus Rendernich. I mean, these guys are serve guys that offer little else. <laughs> so I imagine they're just going to be bashing the ball at each other to tiebreak. And uh, yeah, you're getting plus money at the plus 110 at over 10. I mean, you know, render niche is I think, push insurance too. Yeah, you have push insurance too. Halise is a, a player who I think has improved this year. Render niche has been, I think, lacking this year off a, a pretty good 2021. I just think that uh, the conditions lead uh, to a tie break. Uh, I would, and also in both of these matches, if there's a multi tie break prop that you can play on your book, not a bad bet, especially at plus money. Um, in both those matches. So let's keep it moving here. And then my I have Camille Meischek versus uh, Tabilo over 37 and a half. Uh, these guys have a similar ELO on hard, which surprised me because I, I just don't know if I trust Tabilo on hard. That said, he is a, a player who's made a big leap this year 
in 2022, and he's an aggressive attacking player. He lost in the first round of qualifying, though, last year in his only appearance here at this tournament. Camille's made it to the, the third round in 2019 so and he's coming in here as a dog so i i don't hate camille as a slight dog here but i do like these guys to both win a set and i think you know unlike it does scare me a bit they're gonna get to four sets and there's gonna be some six three six two sets <laughs> because i could see that so maybe you know plus a different way to attack it would be like you know plus two and a half sets or something like that but I, I like this match to go four at least. So a couple of different ways to attack that. And then I hate to say it, but I, I actually <laughs> like Jack Sock versus Diego Schwartzman, but the, only the over, over 37 and a half. Sock was actually able to uh, snake a set off Zverev here at the USO last year. Zverev like was in the final <laughs> the year before that match. So uh, a much tougher and stronger opponent than Diego. I think that, Sock is going to be able to create some breakpoints here. I won't go as far to say playing the plus 175 is a value to win the match, although I you could argue that it was, but 37 and a half is still a relatively low total for someone like Diego who one loves to lose and two loves to get broke. <laughs> so I'm all over the over 37 and a half. I definitely think Sock is a set here. Again, maybe another match where you want to take, you know, the the plus set uh bet. But uh, Diego lost to Chris O'Connell in straights at the AO. Another another match where I bet the over on that, and then he lost in straights. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> so I just, you know, I Sock has been pretty good, actually, this year overall for him. Not like the, the greatest player on earth, but he made a pretty good run at Wimbledon. You know, he was in, I believe he made the round three. You know, if they give him a night match, I'm like on Armstrong or something where like a, like one of the slower courts at night where he's, you know, not going to have to deal with that sun and that heat. And, you know, he probably prefer, believe it or not, the slow court more to Diego just because he can still, he's got one of the best forehands in tennis. He can still hit through that slow court. Diego cannot. He needs as, as much help as he can get for his serve forehand uh, from a quicker court. So if they give him a night match on Armstrong, and it's it's feasible, he's American, he's entertaining, yeah. and he's playing a big name. I mean, he could very well get a night match. And that, that's the way the schedule's going to be like, oh, let's see if we can get our American boy through here, sell some more tickets for a second round match. I, I, like, I, I think that 175 looks a lot better at night than it would, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and 90 degree heat and 70% humidity. Uh, but the overlook, I, yeah, he, I, I sucks going to compete for at least two sets before he, he would melt. He's not going to melt in the first set. So that's probably uh, the look that's, that's most intriguing. All right, guys. Well, there's a lot of other bets uh, out there, but that's uh, some ones I, I wrote down here that uh, I kind of like best. Either of you want to go next? Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm looking at Tiafo minus four against Giron. I just don't think Giron's very good. And Tiafo, I mean, he's going to have to struggle through the heat. I know, Dave, you think that he doesn't like the heat. I mean, oh, he just sweats a lot more than I don't think that he doesn't <laughs> like heat. Yeah, he's just like the Lamar Odom of tennis. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with the 60% humidity, I still don't think that he won't be able to cover minus four in a five-set match against Giron. I don't know. I just think Giron's overrated, especially for an American player. And he's not getting any better. He's, what, 29, 30 at this point. And Tiafo has been playing pretty damn well as of late. I mean, he's lost some big matches, but, like, what, against Kyrgios? And even in those losses, like, he was playing very well in those. I I'd stick with that. Kind of want to take the money line for Sarundalo against Murray. It sounds crazy. 
It's not but, crazy. Not I was all. looking at that. It's not, it's not crazy at all. Okay. I love that's my my favorite bet behind Molchan is that one actually. Okay, yeah, he's sitting out plus one thirty two right now, and I did get burned betting what Nishioka against Murray in twenty twenty in the first round, and Nishioka won the first two sets and then blew the freaking three. Yeah, but still, I just think a better player than Murray at this point, and yeah, it's gonna be his first U.S. Open. And Murray's got a ton of experience there, but he's got a ton of metal in his body as well, too. Murray also melted in Washington in a best of three format against a guy who can make a lot of balls in Michael Emer. Uh, He has beaten the likes of since we can go all the way back to grassies since Stuttgart, where he had that nice run. Yeah, he has beaten James Duckworth, Sam Query. Wow. <laughs> Max Purcell and Stan Vavrinka. And that Vavrinka match was like, a bunch of seven, five, seven, six sets yeah. took forever. And it's not standard rinker of old. I mean, no. Murray has not been very good. He's lost almost every other match. And the one match he was in was the Cam Nori match where like Cam couldn't hit through him and he could still defend before Cam took over. Cost me a ton of money, but this is not the same thing. Sarundolo can deal with the long rallies with Murray and he has the weapons to absolutely punish him on that forehand wing. I, this is wrong guy favorite. I mean, this will this will probably be a multi unit bet. Even it, he's like plus one forty at some offshores too. Damn. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see Sarundalo being the freaking dog here. Yeah, my only thing is uh, Andy Murray is like really smart at tennis, and I don't know that Sarundalo <laughs> is. So I could see some old man game factoring yeah, into true. this, um, and uh, just kind of uh, out IQing him uh, on the day, especially if like you know Fran can't just get the ball in the freaking court but uh yeah no i i yeah i i had this pretty well myself uh, i i i like this bet as well Derek. i got a, a couple dogs to keep an eye on for everyone too and they're not going to be in the most like entertaining or the, the the one of them will end up on like court 14 i can promise you that and that is aliash bedne against pedro kachin uh yeah that one <laughs> like legitimately <laughs> If you go through all 64 matches, you might not find a smaller handle. in terms of name value. Yeah, or handle on a hard court. Like you're not gonna find much, but they're like, man, Pedro Kachin, I'm a huge fan of his. I'm like right on the fan club, multiple challenger titles, multiple finals this year, vaulted up the rankings. But man, he's played like four matches on a hard court, all against other clay court grinders or a no name, and he's two and two, a lot of three setters. Bedney's not a hardcore either, hardcore guy either, and he's lost a ton this year. A lot of those were Bundesliga club matches. He's got more experience at the top level on hardcourts for his career, and he's got a bigger serve forehand combo. I just think that, like he should not be an underdog here to Pedro Kachin. As great as Pedro Kachin has been and as horrible as, as Bedney has been, I mean, even horrible, he lost to Djokovic. He won as a massive underdog first two rounds of the French Open. Um, he pushed Fonini to a third set tiebreak as like a plus 200. He took a set off Muzzetti as a plus 250. Like, Bedney's been competitive. He's just had tough draws. And he's covered the spread as a dog a lot this year. And now he's playing a guy who hasn't played on a hard court since January, is not used to the bounce, is not used to the pace. I think Bedney's a good bet here. This is his final slam, too. He's retiring at the end of the year, guys. He's going to become a soccer agent. So that's also worth noting. I think this is like the Gilles Simon moment at the French Open for him, where like he has something to play for, even if it's on court 15 in front of four people. I absolutely love that, John. Yeah, I like that bet, too. Do you find yourself making bets where you're like, you think you're the only one that probably made a wager on that specific bet? 
This yeah. kind of feels like it, right? This match yeah. of all matches would feel like, like who's who's going like, man, we got 100 or 64 matches and like, I'm going to bet on Bednake cheap. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just me. I, I'm pretty sure. And who, whoever listens out there and might like the handicap, join me. Yeah, Let's yeah. all cheer on Alyash together. <laughs> I feel like there's some handicapper that's just very excited that they spent the time to make these odds. And then they're like, <laughs> yes, John's going to love this one. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet it right now. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh man. Yeah, it's you know, the US Open has actually been okay. Um, the last three days have been a roller coaster for me. I mean, I got my ass kicked, but mainly because of Winston Salem two days ago, made a good chunk, or three days ago, made a good chunk two days ago, a little bit yesterday. And so far today, knock on wood, as of time of recording, uh, things are going well. But this damn rain is like I'm going out. It's Friday night, I'm ready to go out, and I'm like, I want to know if I can splurge on uh withdraw some cash from the the betting accounts and uh, and splurge on uh, some drinks for a few friends so we'll see all right any other uh best bets you guys have penciled down here or in pen even oh yeah uh one other dog nishioka against davidovich fokina i mean it is a mm. mm-hmm. davidovich fokina keeps getting respect on every surface and we just haven't seen it as much like the quicker on the clay we i get it right he's very inconsistent but he can make ridiculous shots and the more time he has to use that crazy athleticism the better he is and the quicker the courts get the tougher it is now nishoka can't hit through him right no. that's one thing here but He's so damn solid and consistent. He's more natural on a hard court. I have this one closer to like an even matchup. I don't mind an over. I mean, ADF. Uh, I did. Oh my God. I, I looked this up for a pod at like the French or Wimbledon. Something like best of five matches. He's played like 30 or 40% of his matches have gone to five sets, which is an insanely high percentage when you think about it uh, in the last two or three years. But or, or something like 50% have gone over four, have gone four sets or longer, and then 25% have gone five sets. Something nuts. I don't hate the over here. You got a stylistic contrast. You've got like one hitter, one guy who's going to coax errors, one guy who's comfortable on hards, one guy who's the more talented. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind an over bet. This feels like a back and forth seesaw kind of match. And again, because I think it is an even matchup, I think there's automatic value on a plus 140 to plus 150. All right. Well, you guys want to go rapid fire over some? I, I just go through the board real quick. Let's do it. All right. Uh, ben Bonzi, minus 124 against Ugo Umber, who was plus 105. Is there any way that Ugo Umber wins this match against Ben Bonzi? I would side with Bonzi there. I would lean to that side. Bear was if he didn't like play Granby this week, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He had like three straight semifinals at Challenger hardcore events. He should have taken this week off, withdrawn from Ke- the Ke- the tournament in Quebec, and gone to New York. Instead, it rained all day Tuesday. He didn't play his first round match till Wednesday. He's like, he, I think he's still playing right now as as we speak. He is in a third set against Hiroki Maria. Like he's just gonna <laughs> he's gonna tire himself out. And like Bonzi's a really tough guy to beat, man. Like he's got a good serve, sneaky good serve sneaky high hold percentage and he's much more consistent from the baseline like bro you're gonna need your energy stop trying to win these yeah. matches at a challenger bonzi did play winston salem but he's been done for a couple days here exactly and and it didn't get pushed back right these tournaments all end saturday to give these players time to get to new york so they can still attract players if they played till sunday no one would go but because granby had a full day rained out like now nah, you're playing either you're doubling up on Saturday, or you're playing until Sunday now. So, like, I, I don't yeah. know what Umber is doing. Yeah, it's still the quarterfinals there. 
Yeah, it's not. I'm surprised he just doesn't pull out. Exactly. Lorenzo Sonego is a minus one ninety seven favor against Jordan Thompson. Sonego stinks on hardcore. Any value on Thompson here, who is also just a stinky player, but does have a big serve. Maybe an overlook. Yeah, the, the over is also jacked to thirty eight and a half. I, I think oh. that's a no play. I think you should save your money yeah. for other matches. Bublik Gaston. Gaston has been bad, man. Don't I do mean, it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, minus five, though, for Bublik. Is is Gaston going to break him? He has not been a, a guy who breaks anybody. He hasn't, I mean, he just does not break people, dude. Like, I actually think Bublik minus five is a pretty good look because I don't know that I don't know that Gaston's going to be able to break him. I'm not saying something coming from you. You're like, you're the Gaston number I, one better. Dude, I've tweeted it out <laughs> on the account. I mean, the guy was like, hello, darkness, my old friend in that match. <laughs> And Winston Salem this week, uh, it was a depressing time. So I, I don't know if he bounced back from that uh, this week. Uh, Bublik uh, probably out fucking banging Ford models at New York in New York right now. Um, just having a great time. He's having a kid, dude. <laughs> oh, he's having a kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not stopping. Yeah, I mean, that does. Yeah, exactly. What does that mean? Yeah, right. Oh, man. Yeah, my issue is where the hell has Bublik been, man? Like, Montreal, he got his ass kicked. He hasn't played since. I'd be worried. I'd be just worried about laying games with Bublik because he could win. But it would be like it could be like six four one six six three seven five, and like the one set he gets down a break and he's like pissed off because Gaston's getting everything back. He just tanks it and then he just serves down his throat the next two sets and you don't get your cover right. Mm-hmm. But he wins three one. That's a good point. What about team coming in at plus three twenty against Busta? Can uh, I bet? Can I your Busta minus seventeen and a half? Or <laughs> yeah, it's, it's minus please. five and a half, so it's pretty jacked up. I mean. <laughs> Is team not going to win a set here? I, I highly doubt it. I don't think so. I like this one and DeJere Rublev. I want to wait till the end of the first set because these guys can rip and they can ball. But DeJere's played 11 hours, might keep it close. Rublev also has, you know, trouble thinking through points sometimes. But, you know, team looked gassed against Dimitrov before Dimitrov got hurt and had to give him the, the retirement. And then he looked terrible yeah. against Draper. Horrible. And Kareno like Booster can games? grind you down. Yeah, yeah. or five, five, I think, by the end uh, of it. But it was one yeah. in the first set. Okay, yeah. And was, he, uh, and I think that like this is not a guy you want to play if you're not in tip-top shape. Like Kareno Booster will make you work. He'll play like work the ball back and forth, make you play like eight balls to win a point. I, I think I'd, I'd wait till the end of the first set if it's close, and then just bet like a live spread. If you like, if it's a seven six and it goes down to four and a half, like if it comes down a bit, or if team takes the first set like six four, I'd hop on that live. But I think that's a better live spot than anything. Just, I, I kind of like team to to do something. I mean, this guy has won this tournament. I know he's not the player he used to be, but the fact that it's at thirty six and Busta, you know, if team you know, just watches some tape and does some serving volley, which is not his game. But I mean, l- listen, study your opponent. This guy just went down in flames last year to the serving volley on these courts. Uh, I-, I I think team is aware of how vul- vulnerable Pusta can be in a number of different ways. So I kind of like the over 36 there. Kudla, Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff is laying six here against Kudla. Uh, I mean, is Hatchinoff just going to whoop this guy? <laughs> Like, I feel like Kudla is going to have a serve here. And he likes quicker courts. But in other years, I would have said absolutely take that over plus sets plus. But Kudla's been absolute dog to you. Like, he's been like bad. Like, Benoit Pair beats you in straights. You're struggling. (laughs) Marcos Jerome beats you 6 3, 6 2. You're struggling. (laughs) Like, you know, Tiago Montero beats you in straights on a hard court. You're struggling, man. Yeah. 
I can't back Kudla. I know you you kind of have a thing for Kudla, and I don't know. I just don't see it. I just think he's a warrior. Uh, he's definitely tries at least. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> he's not tries. like someone that goes out there and like a lot of these guys are not triers. They will like <laughs> things go the things go bad. They're they're tossing yeah. the towel. That is not Kudla. That's for sure. All right, well let's keep it moving because yeah. this I is feel a, like Hatch is like two three tiers above. I, I said that I feel like on a, on on the podcast about. Uh, Yoshi versus hatching off and uh, Yoshi fucking <laughs> sent Karen home in DC. Uh, so uh, famous last words, Derek. <laughs> I'll repeat them. <laughs> All right. This one's kind of interesting. Uh, Green versus Laheshka. Uh, Green coming in as a plus 111 dog here. Green does stink on hardcore. But Laheshka, I mean, are we just, he's coming in as a favorite against a more proven tour player? It's interesting for all the wrong reasons. I am all out on that match. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of agree as well. But I, I will be watching it because I like watching both those players. Yeah, I was uh, going to say Laheshka's fun to watch. I'm with you on that. But like betting wise, oh no. What about, um? I kind of think Andujar is interesting versus uh, Tomas uh, Echeverry uh, coming at a, a minus 145 favorite. I mean, this is two clay guys. Andujar sent Moltran home at the AO by just doing sneaky old man game, extending the point when <laughs> this guy just U- UE himself out of the match. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't know who's going to win that match, but that's, uh, I think both are alive. One guy's plus 123. I'm not leaning either way on that one either. I, uh, I think I'm at your pass. I just, I just, like you said, it's like that stupid experience factor. And Etcheverry loves playing ridiculously long matches. I'm like, you know, I can't lay the games. What about Cressy is a four and a half game favorite against and Cressy like all he does is win a tiebreak. I mean, <laughs> does he win other, any other way? I mean, like he's not, it just seems like four and a half the guys probably going to play at least one set to tiebreak. Then like, he's going to get a, a single break, you know, more than one break in the other sets. And this is interesting to me. I mean, Fuchovic lost to Tiafo in round three in 2020. So, you know, he, he's capable on these courts. I think he's a overall, I think, Fuchovic is a much better tennis player than Max Cressy, but it is the health that comes into concern here. But at plus 225, I mean, you throw like a half unit on that just to see you've made worse bets in your life. I mean, if you can get a, if you get cancellation, not cancellation, you get, uh, what's it called? Voids for, for retirements might be. What about ADM versus uh, Kranovic here? Minus five Kranovic. He got bageled by Dan Evans uh, in Montreal. <laughs> The third set. I I just I don't know. Then he did beat. I believe he beat Evans, who was kind of tanked out the week after. They're just gassed. But I mean, five for ADM against crappier opponents. He he can cover. I feel. No, I I I think it's a great matchup for ADM. I I thought it would be higher than five. I'm surprised it's not five and a half or six. I, I actually didn't even open that tab when I was cruising through. Uh, all the different matches because I thought it would be too high of a spread, but five, I'm going to go back and take a look at. All right. Last one here uh, we got uh, that I think is relatively interesting is RBA is laying five and a half against JJ Wolf, who took him to the brink at Indian Wells. JJ Wolf loves to play in the spotlight and he's going to have it on him here once again. I mean, I think there is zero chance he does not win a set against RBA personally in this matchup. RBA has been extremely shaky in 2022 i don't know what anyone else thinks i initially actually did write down jj wolf five and a half but then i decided not to say it because i'm just not confident that he can pull it off yeah that's such a huge game too six and a half is like you're definitely in five and a half is like man yeah this kid could so lose like six four seven five six three 
based on service order. You know what I mean? Or sorry, I would still not cover the six and a half, but like it, it could still come down to the half game. You know, sorry, I was thinking a tie break, like seven, six, six, four, six, three, which would hurt you on five and a half, right? And that's all service order, who served first, the like reversal of, of who's serving what set and just that five and a half versus a six or a six and a half. Like they know it, right? Like they, they're going to make you take a side on a five and a half. You also don't want to lay five and a half. If you, if you think JJ was going to take a set because then it becomes like a seven and a half or an eight and a half. And I think it's just a perfect line there. I just like, I I'm scared on both, on both sides of that. Bet. Yeah. Same. It's a pretty neutral 36 for, you know, and granted that the Indian Wells surface is much different than what's going to be played, but I would actually offer mm-hmm. that JJ Wolf on a faster court that tips more in his favor than Indian Wells would have. So at a neutral 36, the over to me is at least interesting because I, I, I do feel like the guy plays well in the spotlight. I, I, I'm not a big wolf head like when he's like just grinding challengers. I, I, I've seen him lose time and again, even this summer, mm-hmm. you know, but between the Miami and when he came back on the scene uh, in D.C., but uh, RBA has just not been great. And I am an RBA guy. I, I, I think that he's kind of an underrated player, especially against the spread and the number and a dog situation. But here is a heavy favorite, man. I think he's pretty vulnerable. All right, guys. Well, any other thoughts? Uh, I have any, any, maybe some matches. We kind of went over all the matches at this point. Anything you're just excited to watch as a tennis fan? Any final thoughts here? Kyrios Kokonakis, best buds. Could be a lot of fun to watch um, that first rounder. For sure, yeah. yeah. I had like Nick down minus five and a half originally too. I think he'll just beat Kokonakis in straights. And I don't know. You kind of wonder how much he's going to screw around. And I think he could beat him or cover five and a half if he just doesn't screw around against his best. But another thing, I just wanted to say that like, uh, yeah, I was up last night looking for bars just in the general area of Los Angeles that actually cater to us open viewing. I can't find a single thing. Is there things in like Toronto where they actually have events or bars that cater towards tennis? There is. Um, if you are a regular at a certain establishment and they know you and they yeah. have like 10 TVs and a box for every TV. Uh, I think there's, I know a place or two like that around me, not from personal experience. Of course, I don't frequent bars multiple nights a week, uh, but uh, no, no, I have a local pub here that, that I go to and the night, the night matches the best because this is the only event in the world, unless there's severe rain delays, which aren't every day, but like you get the night session, you can get matches on with a best of five format and a, a, like a long woman's three setter than a five set of the men. You, you're going almost right to last call here. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty freaking cool to be sitting at a bar at 1 a.m. watching live tennis. And other people don't even mind it because everything's over by then. Like even West Coast baseball is rounding out, you know, starting to close up shop. So it's the only live sport on. Uh, and so like that, that's a cool experience. But yeah, it, it's pretty local. You're not going to like, a, let me think of a chain. We have different bar chains, like a Buffalo Wild Wings type thing. We don't have them, but like a Boston pizza is our, our kind of version of that. They're not going to be putting tennis on. They have like four TVs and it's like two boxes. So two, two TVs show the same thing. And the other, you get two selections and you ain't watching tennis. <laughs> well, this is all you got to do. Cause I've done this routinely now and join the movement. Uh, send us some photos of uh, you watching tennis at a bar. Uh, direct TV is uh, tennis channels two seventeen. I'll give you exactly what happens. I say, Hey, can you, uh, you know, turn that TV to Tennis Channel? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no problem. Hey, you know, happen to know what channel it is? <laughs> yes, 217. 
Now I kind of even yeah. just avoid that. It's 217. Okay. It just turns to 217. I'm going to have my beer. I'm going to watch some tennis here at lunch. Uh, I took a couple photos. I haven't tweeted them out yet, but uh, that was mainly so I didn't get exposed for uh, having a, a beer lunch <laughs> during the work day. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, I, it's exciting time. Uh, you know, we have football coming up, but you know what? We're going to have about 10 plus days of this tournament in the books before football kicks off. So do yourself a favor. Watch some tennis. If you made it this point, you already watched tennis, but tell your friends to watch tennis, bet on tennis. Let's keep growing together. All right, guys, I think we've said it all. And uh, until next time, see you on the court.